welcome to the October podcast for the Yorkshire Rugby Club. I'm Darren. And I'm Ivan. And today um, it is the 28th and we have been to uh, the Sherburn Aero Club. And that was that was a good meeting, wasn't it? Yeah, it was quite a few people there, even though the weather hasn't been very kind to us. We uh, A bunch of us had a tour around all the planes and of course... The poor guide was besieged with people saying, "When are you getting electric planes here?" <laughs> and um, and his answer was, "They are trying trialing um, unleaded fuel uh, uh, that doesn't uh, leave any 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 nasties in the atmosphere, and it's working quite well." So that's the first step. Um, and I think they are playing about with an electric plane. There, he said. Yeah, yeah, and um, which actually leads us into our first thing. Um, Cattle, uh, the big battery manufacturer, has actually made a battery which has got a specific power to weight um, of 500 watts per kilogram, which means um, the batteries can be a lot smaller and a lot lighter. In comparison, you get about two. 40 to 250 for uh, the current battery technology so i mean that that's absolutely amazing if you can get that in a car you, you know your, your car will be the battery pack will be half the weight so um it just goes to show that all this research over the years and i know things take a long time to come out and we all get impatient but all this research definitely pays off um i guess the question is are people going to have EVs with twice the range, something most of us EV drivers know is not needed, or we're just going to have lighter EVs. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, we had one of um, one of the people that were interested in EVs come up to us today and say, um, you know, he, he was speaking to Kevin, one of the other admins, and Kevin was chatting to him, and he turned around and went, "Well, oh, I've never buy an EV," and he was like, "Well, you're here, aren't you?" And he said, "Yeah, but." Uh, it won't do 300 miles. So I spoke to him and said, you know, you do 300 miles, obviously. Do you take a break? And uh, he proceeded to turn and say, no. I said, well, <laughs> you're quite dangerous on the road and I wouldn't want to be on the same piece of road that you're on. So, yeah, it's just a mentality of some people, unfortunately. It's still pretty much um, back in the olden days where if a car can't do 500, 600 miles, they're not going to buy it. Well, speaking as a middle-aged man, and um, we've been over this one many times, but it's true. Um, after 100 miles, my bladder tells me, I'm not quite comfortable. Let's have a little stop. Let's have a comfort break. And I just th- I think you're fresher for it anyway. Absolutely. And even myself, um, I still drive a fossil fuel car while I'm waiting for um, to buy another electric car. So we've got one already in the household. But um, even a 200-mile journey... I have to stop for a good 15, 20 minutes for a break, for a stretch, to freshen up. It's it's not nice sitting behind the wheel for, for more than 100 miles. Yeah, and I, I personally don't believe anyone who says that. Anyone that would drive 400 miles without a break is a danger to other road users. I mean, you know, we all have a lapse in concentration over long periods of time. Uh, and having a break sort of stopped that and... Uh, as I say, uh, old and tired arguments we've all heard before, and um, let's move them on to something more practical. Yeah, I don't know, don't know whether Darren, you're like myself. Um, you'll be driving along, and suddenly you'll realise that you're a mile down the road. And if someone turned around to me and said, "What 
what did you pass uh, at 300 yards down the road? I couldn't tell you because you got into such a... Uh, you're in such a zone that you've kind of zoned out. And at that point, it's like, actually, I think I better have a break. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, it's just, like I say, we, we, we see the same tired old arguments. And uh, the average UK journey, I think, is less than 20 miles a day, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and what's better than waking up in the morning and getting into your car? It's all nice and toasty if you're during the winter or nice and cool during the summer and then having a full battery i mean what what show me a petrol car that can fill up at home you know yeah and i haven't bought a scraper or a tin of wd-40 for a number of years now <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely yeah anyway so we're, we're going to our first uh, lot of stories now Okay, so um, we'll start with a news story because it's a pretty big one and has affected the EV world. Everyone's been talking about it. And um, it's the Luton Airport fire at Terminal 2. Um, It's not old news, but I'll just recap. 15 fire engines and more than 100 firefighters attended the fire and it decimated the car park in Terminal 2. And immediately, literally immediately, before anyone knew a fact, uh, everyone was blaming that it was an EV fire. Yeah, well, and I believe it was actually, yeah, a fo- obviously it was a fossil fuel, but it was a hybrid, I think it was a hybrid Range Rover or, or something. Yeah, like that. the point was it, it wasn't a full EV. Yeah, yeah. And immediately the press, uh, everyone was speculating. Um, and I'll go back to the tired old argument, which is phrase i'll be using a lot during this podcast but um which is more dangerous a heavily shielded battery or a car full of volatile fluid that which is in a plastic container effectively exactly (laughs) um i mean people talk about ev fires and they are a problem in as much as when there is a fire in an ev it is traditionally said to be more difficult to tackle but they are finding new innovations and new ways i believe that there's some sort of blanket now that they put over that that stifles it of oxygen completely yeah correct yeah and in fact um i was watching a, a, a youtube uh channel the other day and i've got some stats actually which um puts it into perspective and we're not talking about um stats from a mickey mouse co- uh, company like um i don't know uh, joe's autos down the road we're talking about um uh, Lex Auto Lease and also Tusker, so pretty big companies. Um, Lex Auto Lease had have one hundred and sixty five thousand electric vehicles that they maintain, look after, and none of them are caught fire. Believe it or not, how about that? That I mean, that's that's that just goes to show how safe they are, doesn't it? Yeah, and another stat stat from Tusker. So they have 32,000 cars, 23 of those are full electric, um, and the rest are made up, you know, the, the other 9,000 are made up of hybrids, um, diesels and petrols. And apparently, uh, and a little known stat again, the petrol cars and the diesel cars were five times more likely to run out of fuel than the electric cars were run out of go-go juice like battery juice so how does that work we've been told differently i I think 
it just goes to show really it's uh, it i mean it, people who are new to evs and people who have had them for a while have all had one thing drummed into them they're driving a vehicle with to a degree a limited range and they know for a fact that there you know there is a possibility uh, there's limited places to charge. We all know that's changing. Um, we all know the convenience of having an EV, parking and charging at home. But generally, I think EV drivers are more cautious when it comes to making sure they don't run out of fuel. Um, and I think an EV that's well managed is much less likely to, to leave you by the side of the road than an old ICE vehicle with a dodgy fuel gauge. Yeah, and um, what what the other thing uh, that I also noted on it is, it's like EVs, they give you one warning, they give you another warning, they give you multiple warnings, and then eventually they say the battery's dead. And it's like, yeah, I've, I've had several warnings. Whereas, you know, from experiencing an ICE car, when it's running low on fuel, you just get a, a bong and you get a light on the dashboard and that's it. You don't get constantly pestered. So, um, if anything, EVs are um, more, they pester you more to say, look, you need to really refuel. So um, it's it's one of those things. So, yeah, uh, just, just, to, just to pull it back to Luton, um, all I'll say to anyone out there that's, uh, that's, that's even remotely impartial, don't listen to the press. Find the facts out for yourself with these news stories. There's so many people out there with an agenda. We need to know what the facts are before we make snap judgments. And I think I will leave it there. That's that's about all we need to cover for the EV aspect of the old Luton Airport fire. Right, so what I'd like to do now, Darren, is talk a little bit about um, renewables, if that's okay. So I found out some interesting stats, and I couldn't believe this when I heard it, and I've subsequently done some more research on this. And this stat was from the American Energy Transmission Committee. And apparently, over the next 30 years of rebuilding or creating renewables, so solar, wind, etc., basically that's going to put out as much CO2 as equivalent of six months' worth of fossil fuels uh, creating electricity, believe it or not, which is, I think, absolutely staggering. Yeah, and it just goes to show what 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 Guff has been talked about renewables. Um, I mean, if you think of a renewable energy like an EV, um, it's got something in common in that relatively few moving parts, no moving parts in the case of a solar panel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a wind turbine is pretty much a gearbox and a blade. Um, and these things last, don't they? So whatever it takes to make them. They last long enough and produce clean enough. Yeah, and the other big argument is wind turbine blades are not recyclable. Well, um, that's been put to bed because there's now a company that um, actually can break them down using a chemical process. And also they have been known to be placed into uh, concrete to, to provide reinforcement. So Yeah, but uh, generally it's carbon fibre, isn't it? I don't think that's the, the nastiest of substances. It's just a case of learning how to deal with something that large, I suppose, isn't it? Um, and another one that's annoyed me, particularly this Tory cabinet that seems to be anti-renewable, uh, and obviously we won't get too much to politics, but 
we all know where Rishi Sunak's wife has a lot of her money uh, and it certainly isn't in the renewable sector. So the likes of Liz Trust and other Conservative Party members, uh, they were banging on about how much um, these solar panels you see in the fields, all British farmland, how much room it takes up. Firstly, um, everyone knows that those fields also allow the growth of wildflowers and for sheep to graze quite happily an extra solar panel. They won't suddenly be zapped like in Star Trek. <laughs> um, but the key point here is that ground-mounted solar panels, the farmers with spare land are happy to put them on there, probably get free energy as a result of it, um, but they take up just 0.1% of all land in the UK. 0.1? I thought it was like, you know... A good 20 to 30% by the sound of it, by the government. 0.1%. Uh, and again, <clears throat> simple thing that can last for years. Needs a bit of a clean now and again. Um, doesn't emit toxins. It doesn't take a truck to take fuel to it like it does a coal reactor or anything like that. So just think of that. And so as for subsidies, like I say, uh, just do your own research into how much subsidies have gone into the fossil fuel industries and when they say they're going to build new oil rigs and stuff like that we don't immediately benefit from that the oil they produce goes on to open market to the highest bidder so again get knowledgeable and don't let these people lie to you yeah and actually um that's a good a uh, bit of a good segue when you're talking about rishi sunak um we all, we all, I think we're all pretty aware of the the news that he's come out with in the, the past month, that he's pushing the fossil fuel ban back to twenty thirty five. I can't help but think that's the Conservatives, and again, I don't want to get political, but the Conservatives clutching at straws to try and win votes. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a bit cynical. I, I don't know. What do you think, Darren? Um, yeah, at, at this stage, um, they seem to be pandering to uh, the lowest common denominator with their emphasis on immigration and things like that. Um, and again, it's not really a subject for this podcast. But when you look, when you look at it, um, you know, I think we'd all agree uh, where immigrants are housed is not the problem. How they're handled as people when they come into this country is what needs to be looked at. Yeah, I think I think it's just personally, as I say, I think it's just a political um, a political vote, or they're they're trying to get the the people that are uh, essentially what they call working class, and and that's another source of uh, a, a, a podcast maybe um, that they that we've well, I've certainly heard um, they're trying to get them on side. Um, we know that the Conservatives, well, I, I know certainly the Conservatives, in my opinion, is that they're in it for the rich. Um, it's pretty easy to, to see that. But, you know, maybe we've got other podcast listeners that have a difference of opinion. We'd like to hear them. Yeah, I, I just think it's distraction politics. If, you, if you're looking at the small boats, then you're not looking at where's all the money from the PPE contracts gone, etc., etc. But uh, we'll leave that there and we'll move on to other subjects. So you turned up an interesting story that hadn't yet crossed my radar about uh, one of the larger newspapers was um, 
shall we say, grabbing hold of YouTubers' stories and misrepresenting them slightly? Yeah, yeah, glad you mentioned that, actually. Um, so my, what I basically, I followed uh, I followed this com- uh, website on YouTube or, or podcast, electrifying.com. So it's got like Ginny Buckley, Nikki Shields, and a few others. And they were having a YouTube um, discussion, a remote discussion. And what happened was the the son had essentially just plagiarized a lot of their work. So this lady was doing a review on a car. Let's say the car was a Kona, for example. And as with most impartial journalists, they give you a good side and they give you a bad side you know what what's good on the car what's bad on the car and what the son had done is essentially taken all the bad parts out of that video and mashed them together in one complete video and then taken them off of youtube so apparently Jeannie buckley went back to the sun and she's got a person there who's quite high up and she mentioned it and after mentioning it the son have now pulled the story However, she's not the only one who's been partial to this uh, plagiarism by the sun. So, um, Transport Evolved, you've heard of them? Oh, yeah, yeah. They've been around a long time. Very well-respected EV journalist, yeah. Yeah, so Nikki from there mentioned that they had had their video stolen off of YouTube and remixed and downloaded onto the sun website. And have you also heard of uh, Tesla Bjorn? Oh, yeah, who hasn't? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the banana box man. Yeah, the banana box man, yeah. He, too, has had a number of videos basically taken off YouTube, mashed together to make EVs look bad. It's it's just getting ridiculous. I mean, who would think that the sun had a... You'd think that the sun would have a some kind of motivation. I mean, what, what, what do you think, Darren? Um, well, let's see. Um, just ask yourselves this question without me being too obvious about it. Uh, who owns it? Who funds it? Um, you know, we all know uh, what kind of pies media moguls have their money in and how did people used to get their money? Which industry uh, did, did, did the super rich get much of their money from? And uh, rhymes with coil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, he, the the person who owns the sons... Um, last name is Murdoch so uh, you don't have to really do a lot of research to find out who it is and realize what the auto the kind of thing that they're trying to get or do to the EV industry you, you know what it says to me um if they're willing to sink this low we must be winning right absolutely yeah i mean i was speaking to Darren earlier about uh Richard Simons EV RSEV he's got a youtube channel He's quite uh, impartial. I mean, he, he's a self-professed petrol head. And he was saying, actually, his business hasn't been doing um, too badly during this EV boom. In fact, we're, there's a, he's brought out a, a, a list of videos uh, or a load of videos that have shown you behind the scenes. And they're having to buy cars weekly and they've got waiting lists for their EVs. So I can believe it. I can believe it. I mean, I, uh, I was just driving up the motorway uh, just today to come and see you and um, and attend the meeting, uh, the the EV club meeting, 
And the amount of EVs that pass me now, and I just think, when I bought my first Leaf in 2015, you know, there was literally nothing else on the road other than a few other Leafs and the odd old Tesla Model S. But now it's like, it seems like every third car's an EV and it's great. We're winning. We're winning, folks. Yeah, so, you know, you don't have to shout too loud when you're, when you're winning. But unfortunately, um, because the old big old companies are now losing the fight um, against EVs, like in my opinion anyway at least, they're having to start to dig out stuff and make up stories and, you know, just, just basically trying to pull the wool over everyone's eyes. If they can do it, they'll do it. And if anyone out there wants to trust the sun for even a moment, um, just ask yourself why the entire city of Liverpool will not buy a single copy of that rag. And we'll leave that there. So anyway, this brings us on to our next um, part we want to cover. So uh, Yorkshire V, as we're recording this, has just had a meeting at the Air Aerodrome the uh, Sherburn Aerodrome, as uh, Darren mentioned at the first. Our next meeting is Saturday the um, 25th of November, between 10am and 2pm, and that is at Maxus York, and their address is Unit 20, Laverax Industrial Estate, Elvington, York, YO41, 4ER. And the what three words are waddle, joke, and twinkled. So let's have a let's have a good turnout for them. And basically, we're going to have a look around their their various vans that they brought out. They're known for their vans, and also the first pickup that was delivered or created for the UK market, the T90. So there are going to be lots of uh, vehicles there to to potentially look at. That is going to be our last meeting before Christmas, folks. So if you really want to get yourself looking at a bunch of EVs, it's probably one of the last last chances this year you'll have to attend our meetings. Um, and massive thanks to all of those that organised the meetings, Richard, Paul um, in particular, uh, but just all the other admins that always attend regularly, that would be Ian, Kevin, lots and lots of people. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Nicola, sorry, my brain stopped working for a second. Obviously, Nicola and, as well. And, and Craig as well, yeah. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, we're just going to have a little bit of a waffle about EVs generally. I mean, one thing that impressed me today, Ivan, was um, I um, saw a Genesis today. What did you say the model? Yeah, the, the GV60, yeah. It's, um, uh, I think they're the the kind of brand, the, the flagship brand of Hyundai, I believe, or Hyundai, however you pronounce it. But honestly, folks, um, this thing had beautifully stitched white leather, and uh, some kind of crystal thing in the dash. What was that? I don't yeah, know. that that's the apparently that's the gear selector. So when you start the car up, the gear selector spins over one hundred and eighty degrees. Um, it's all very oh well, very fancy. I, I, but I mean, just from a uh, an ignoramus's point of view, i.e., mine, uh, it's a, a beautiful car, absolutely stunning. Looks so comfort. I think I said to someone, I could live in this. It's so good looking. Yeah, apparently um, somebody was saying that the the GV60 is built on the same platform as the as it the Ionic Five, and you can kind of see that because both cars are very wide, 
and uh, they almost look like a a car that you've you've got in Photoshop and you've increased it by 125%. It just looks oddly large. It's yeah. yeah I thought the logo the logo reminded me a bit of the old Bentley logo as well. Yeah, like the sort of wings surrounding the the, the yeah. name. Yeah. Yeah, but a very, very nice piece of kit, and um, they've only just came out. Um, I think they've been over here for about six or seven months, but um, absolutely gorgeous cars. Yeah, I must admit, I wouldn't mind getting behind the wheel of one of those and uh, uh, maybe selling a kidney and seeing if I can afford <laughs> one. Yeah, and um, uh, Kevin, one of our other fellow members, um, turned up in a Mackie, um, the four-wheel drive one, and he was absolutely praising it. I think he was interested originally at the Model Y, but he's. Um, I think he's been converted by the Ford Mackey X. I think it's called. I, I get that. I'm, I, I sat in it. I sat in the driver's seat, and um, very much like the old bucket seat style. But the um, the screen in, in the thing is, is probably bigger than a Tesla screen. Yeah, and they've got that that um, button. Uh, I don't know if you saw it in the the screen, but there's a button banging the cent well banging the bottom center of the screen. Um, it's like they've made the screen around this button, uh, and it's the same apparently, or what I've seen as the Ford F one fifty. There's a almost like a radio button in the center. Yeah, it looked like it magnified as well. Whatever was it, it was displaying yeah. like the magnification to a great looking car, folks. I must admit, I I. Uh... I thought it was a good-looking vehicle. Yeah, and the only thing that let it down, in in my opinion, was the size of the boot. Did did Kevin open up the boot and show I, you? I only got to see the front. Yeah. yeah, it was... It's quite deep and quite wide because of the size of the car, but unfortunately, um, the boot floor lid is almost as tall as the back beam that goes across the door, and apparently the MG5... EV has a slightly bigger boot than the Mackie, and but the Mackie's a much bigger car. Yeah, it's funny how that how that that design space uh, makes a difference, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think it might have been something to do with the the Mac Mackie X is the four wheel drive version, so I'm assuming that there's a a dirty great electric motor sitting under the the boot boot floor somewhere there. Um, I don't know why. Because Tesla, even with the the four wheel drive model Y, I think it is, they've got a a really deep boot floor in there. But yeah, I mean EVs are just getting more innovative, bigger, and we're just getting such a great range of options now. I remember when it was just Leaf or Zoe, or if you had a bit of money, Tesla Model S. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and funny enough. Um, Bjorn Nyland's just uh, got hold of his old Tesla Model S, and it's now sitting at three hundred and I think ninety thousand kilometres. Um, it's on its second battery, but the only reason for that was is because apparently the first one had an issue, but this second one um, he's had it in there for two hundred and ninety thousand miles, and it hasn't. It, it's degraded, but not as much as you know the. Well, anything would degrade over that that period of wear and tear. But hang on a minute, what about all the naysayers who were saying no oh, EVs will only last two years, and then they'll be in landfill? Yeah, yeah, absolutely ridiculous. And we all know it's ridiculous because you know the 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 price of what they call I think it's black material that you get when you crush a 
EV battery up, it's something like $2,000 per tonne. It's ridiculous. So if, if you guys know of any EVs that are on their last legs, yeah, do do right into the club and, and we'll happily take them off your hands and uh, have the, the battery out of them. <laughs> yeah, and like I say, when the battery goes, um, they can be used for home storage, slow, slow fill, slow depletion. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... Um, it just shows you uh, how important batteries are nowadays that um, most of the grid tied systems or, or not grid tied systems, but the, the solar farms and the wind farms are now look are going for big batteries from like the likes of Tesla and BYD. So um, they've, they've got their second and third uses. So I don't think it's actually ever going to be a problem. It's, it was very much, nobody really knew what was happening once they went, uh, once the EVs were, um, reached the end of life, or the batteries did, and now it's like they've been given a second and third life. And even after that, the raw materials in them are still being uh, recycled. And apparently, uh, the raw materials are actually better second time round. I've been told. Yeah, that makes a kind of sense to me. So, hope you've enjoyed listening to this, folks. And um, we'll try and bring you a diverse range of content, and we'll try and keep you abreast of what's going on with the club. Uh, any questions or anything um, you can catch the club channels obviously on Twitter and on Facebook uh, we have a very active presence on Facebook and we now have 1700 members yeah absolutely yes yeah, 1700 so, so yeah uh, please feel free to join us we're quite easy to find just look for the Yorkshire EV Club and have a good day folks thanks a lot bye <laughs>